I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. All right. Hello, everyone. Today we have Sunshine, and she's basically a psychic medium, spiritual advisor, as well as a recovering alcoholic. And she's also a diehard lover of intensive shadow. Let's see what she has to say. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing super good. How are you? Good. So can you kind of begin by giving me a gist of who you are, what you're about, what your message is? Oh, gosh, a gist of who I am. So you kind of said a couple of things. I'm a psychic medium, spiritual advisor. I am also a chakra coach, a tarot mentor, and a recovering alcoholic. I identify as a witch, an alchemist, and love all things kind of strange and odd. So as far as my message, I am here. I believe that my life's purpose is to help people dig deep into themselves and recognize the things that maybe they didn't want to face by themselves and help bring them into the light is what it is. Shine the light on that, transform, change their lives, and really step into a life that they love in whatever way, shape, or form that I can help assist them. Uh, so are you in a, a coven? A convent? A coven? No, I'm not. I practice solitary. Okay. okay. And what do you specialize in? Hmm, what do you mean by specialize? Well, I do know there's a lot of witches that use tarot cards. What are you? Are you more of an intuitive? or? Yeah, so as far as being a, being a witch... In being a psychic medium, though often found in the same kind of like group, you'll find a lot of um, are different, right? So psychic mediums don't have to be witches, don't have to practice magic, don't have to do anything around the craft or any type of magical workings. And so as a psychic medium, I am, I do use tarot as a divination tool, but it's a tool really where I step into is using my intuition, using my psychic gifts uh, to receive whatever messages from the divine that come through, right? Uh, as far as the witch side of magic, there are so many. I was wondering if you were going to ask this question. And I consider myself a gray eclectic witch, right? Meaning gray, it could be either what folks would consider white or dark, you know, light or dark. Totally with it, yeah. Yeah, and eclectic meaning I pull my magical practices from a ton, right? Some other folks would actually even consider it a little bit of a chaos witch, right? Where if something feels right, right? There, there goes that intuition again. If something feels right, how to work, how to pull, how to leverage and use this, I'll use anything, right? Various different tools. Uh, if I had to consider myself something, I do believe in ritual, right? So I practice a lot of ritual in my magical life. It's very interesting. And how long have you been doing this? And what side were you more on when you first began your sort of magic journey? Oh, how long? So since I was 16, right? So we're talking, gosh, at that point, 26 years. And what side? I probably picked up tarot first and started to explore that out of just pure curiosity. And that kind of led a little bit down the path of, you know, realizing tarot is often associated to as a tool of witches and things of that nature. And so, but both were real close. Like, it's not like I used tarot for years and then decided to pick up and start practicing magic. It was like right one after the other. And what were some of your challenges in life? I heard about this part about you being a recovering alcoholic. Did that sort of journey through that? obstacle push you more towards your spiritual route as a witch? So my challenges in life, I mean, you know, life is a challenge. Living can be a challenge. You know, it comes with ups and downs and things that you have to face. I didn't recognize that I was an alcoholic until two years ago. Well, it was probably three years ago, but really step into like getting sober two years ago. And I, you know, I stepped out of a I got divorced out of an abusive relationship. I hadn't really, my, you know, and very unfortunate, my ex-husband liked to make fun of me for practicing magic. And so throughout that marriage, I like stuffed a lot of that away. I didn't pick up my cards. I didn't do any of the, you know, 
real, I, I didn't really do it. There was one spell that I did the entire time. And that was literally to get the house that I live in right now. Cause we were like in a very bad situation. And I told him, I said, I'm pulling all the stops out, right? Like you're just going to have to deal with it. And, uh, you know, after getting divorced, I just had this series of things that happened throughout my life, including the a horrific divorce, my father ending up on his deathbed about a year after that happened, him going through like a major life-saving surgery and being in recovery for almost a whole year, you know, recovering from that surgery and then getting a heart transplant and going through it again. And uh, I think the unfortunate thing is, is I... You know, like many other people, turn to substance to not deal with the emotions, right? To not deal with any of that. And so it just started, I don't even know, it just didn't feel right anymore. It just didn't feel right. I had started, you know, talking with some more of my spiritual group and some of the, the women locally and stepping into some more of the witchcraft again. But I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel good emotionally. I didn't feel good mentally. I didn't feel good spiritually. And I sure as hell didn't feel good physically waking up with hangovers. You know, I mean, let's be, let's be real five days a week, you know? Um, And I hit my rock bottom and it was rough. It was difficult. And I stepped into AA and in the 12-step program, they consider it a spiritual program. And I sat around the table with all of these folks talking about how their spirituality was such an important role in their recovery. And that was like my wake-up call. That was like the, you know, sure, all of these, you know, they're, I, I, I'm, where I'm from, it's a hodgepodge of religious cultures, you know, from Christians to Muslims to you know, anything and, and everything in between. And I, I sat there with these folks and I was like, I don't have to do this the way they do. I can step into my spirituality the way I want to. And it was like life transforming. It really was. And how did this kind of get into you actually working with clients? When did you, when did you kind of gain the confidence and the skill set to start doing that? So... I was probably at that point, it had been four months without a drink, four months of of going to like AA meetings almost daily. And, you know, when you start working the 12 steps, they start talking about your spiritual practices and incorporating them into your like daily lives and things like that and getting outside of your comfort zone and being around more people and giving back, right. is like a piece of things. And I don't know, like, there's no like epiphany moment that this happened, but I'd started to pick up my cards again. And I finally said to myself, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. That's really been a lot of my work over the last two years in my, in my sobriety journey is getting out of my comfort zone and like, you know, forcing myself to evolve, right. To, to grow. And uh, I finally just decided the way that I would do this was just by offering free one card readings once a week and I would go live on Facebook and I would just, and that's, that's it. That was it. Like that was the catalyst from that point. Like everything kind of snowballed as far as helping clients, working with people, mentoring, coaching. It was, it was pretty crazy. It's still crazy for me to think back that it's been almost two years that I've been doing this professionally, right? Professionally. And you also have experience in divination as well, Aaron. So do you, what do you do? Scrying? Or? So tarot cards are a form of divination. Okay, tarot. There, okay. Yeah. There are, if you were to actually, I love this, because if you go onto Wikipedia and you look up like methods of divination, there are literally like well over a hundred different forms oh, of nice. divination. It's crazy. Like, like watching how snails move through sand. <laughs> You're like, what? And so as far as divination goes, tarot cards is my favorite, right? I love the imagery. I love the pictures. My strongest psychic ability is my clairvoyance. So the pictures in the card can just trigger flashes in my head like quick. Um, I do use a crystal ball, which is lovely, but it's heavy. So it doesn't travel well. It does not travel well. Pendulum. So I'll use a pendulum. Um, those tend to be the three that I rotate through the most. Which one can give you the most specific answer 
So a pendulum is going to give you a yes, no, yeah. right? So if you want to know a yes, no, like, you know, this woman, literally, she's been messaging me all day because past weekend she asked and it, I gave her a pendulum board and she asked if she was pregnant and it said yes. And she was like, she's like, there's no way. Right. And lo and behold, she sends me a pregnancy test this morning that registers positive. So like, if you want a yes, no question, am I pregnant? Right? <laughs> you know, or even does he like me? Yes, no type thing. The pendulum is going to give a very clear yes, no. The challenge is, is most of the time people want context behind answers, right? They want to know more. Like, why is that a yes? Or what else is surrounding that? So I find that Tarot offers the most in-depth because you can, you can literally customize the questions and relate, you know, like multiple questions within like a spread and lay down cards. You can tell an entire story by doing it. You can look into, you know, you can keep pulling a card and saying, okay, well, yeah, give me, go deeper with me on that. And because I use my psychic abilities, you know, I don't necessarily even need the cards, but, but they can be triggers for deeper messages that I wasn't as aware of right out of the gate. And when you say eclectic witch, how do you kind of dive into both sides? Because right now you're seeming pretty, I think readings are a pretty neutral thing. How do you kind yeah, of go yeah. into the other sides? <laughs> they are. And I actually, my, my, my religious background, I was born and raised Catholic. And so, mm. yeah, so I'm very conscious and have a lot of respect, a lot of respect for Christianity. So when it comes to the reading and my, and the spirituality, right, that is, you know, I don't, look one way versus the other. Right. Um, but from a witch perspective, that's incorporated really into my daily life and a lot of my rituals within my day from, you know, what I do in the morning to prep my day and the ritual there of, you know, invoking the deities that I work with to, you know, asking what messages that I'm meant to work on for the day to, you know, there, I don't, there are candles lit behind me. There's a ritual before I sit down and do work to bring about certain, you know, magical properties into whatever work that I'm doing. So that's like the biggest piece like of that connection is before I sit down and work with any client, I do magical rituals to bring, you know, blessings, so to speak, into those readings. And what are some of your best client success stories? Oh my goodness. You know, it's like, there's a handful. The challenge is, is when I read, I don't always remember. So unless they come back and, and clearly tell me what something impacted them. But I will tell you, there was a woman I met a couple of months ago. I was at an event and it was the first like event I'd done, like where I just did a whole day worth at a table and had people come up. And this woman came up to me three times that day and sat down with me and there was a couple of things that this is like probably one of my favorite stories because it was just, she returned to me two weeks ago and told me, right. So first off as a medium, I was able to connect her to her deceased husband who was very unfortunately brutally murdered. And there were questions that her and her family had had around his passing. And so she asked and I, talked with him and provided. And she, a couple of weeks ago, was able to validate that all of the things that I shared with her, they were able to go back and validate in some way, shape or form the truth to it. And to the point of like, she told me her friends and neighbors were asking her what was so different in her life because she seemed in better spirits. She seemed like in a more positive, like all sorts of things. Like she felt like it had really impacted her life to have gotten this clarity on another piece. One of the times she sat down, she asked me about and this one kind of like makes me chuckle. Her mother, they were looking for, to put her mother in a nursing home and they couldn't find one. And she's like, she's finding one. And I'm like, yeah. So I tell her, I said, you'll know when you walk in, there's artwork. I can see artwork on the wall that like you appreciate, like you, you recognize it and like, that's your sign. Like, this is the place. And uh, and I also told her there's two cities right by me that are near to each other. One's called Oxford and the other one's called Orion. And I said, she's like, where is it? And I said, it's, I said, I, I keep getting Oxford, Orion. I, I said, I don't know which. So she, she proceeds to 
she, when she tells me about the like validation and all that, she goes, oh, and my mother, she goes, I walk into this one nursing home and I look up and I see this artwork. She goes, I knew it was it. She was like, it was like, you came into my mind the moment that I saw it and I knew that was it. She goes, but I talked to the administrator and they didn't, they couldn't take her because they didn't, my mom, her mom had uh, like stage two dementia and they're like, they didn't have the services there in that home to support her. But the administrator's like, oh, but we have a sister company just down the road. They have that. So she pulls up. It's like Orion Nursing Home in Oxford, Michigan. I, you know, and I was like, so it's just I, these stories, when they come back and they proceed to tell me these stories or these things, like I kind of get, I, I laugh because I'm like, wow, right? That's so cool. Like just with them, but that was a pretty big, big one to know that I could bring her that sense of comfort, um, you know, just by connecting her to her husband and providing her guidance with her mom. I mean, that's the stuff that happens to me over and over again. Why do you like bringing people that sense of comfort? That's a good question. I enjoy it because I have a belief that all of us kind of like vibrated and at an energy frequency, right? That like the way that our emotional state is. And so the more we're able to like raise each other up and to raise, you know, each other's energy vibration, then that to me makes for a, a better place. So I think about, I think about her walking into her job and being in better spirits and how the people she interacts with now are going to receive that energy and how like she'll walk into and get coffee. And that person's good. That to me is, is that's why I do what I do. Right. It's wonderful to be paid for it, but knowing that like butterflied effect of if I can bring comfort, if I can shine, you know, bring somebody into the light, if I can bring them peace, happiness, hope, joy, Right. If I can do that for them, I think about all of those people in the world that they will touch and, and hopefully they can bring it to them as well. And why do you think why do you want to bring all this to people? What do you what do you gain from a lot of this? Well, uh, it's a business, so I do generate revenue. <laughs> what do I gain from this? That's a really deep and personal question. And I'll tell you what comes to mind. I don't have children. OK, and so I gain a sense of wonderment on watching, like, it, it really is. It's wonderment and joy and, like, comfort in myself that people can grow and they can change and they can evolve. And, frankly, it just, it's hard to really describe what it feels like when you are stepping in and living what you believe you're here to do, right? And so I just, I, I do, I get a sense of wonderment, accomplishment, and just joy knowing that I'm able to impact the world in a beautiful way. And what are some of the, what are some of the ways you're looking to impact the world and what do you intend to do in the future with impacting people? Yeah. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the spiritual business and the magic, but on the flip side, I've been in corporate America for 22 years. And a lot of that time has been in marketing and technology in leadership positions, right? And so what I want to do, my long-term vision for Sunshine Readings is to create multiple, and so I've already got the platforms, to evolve these multiple platforms to allow other people to step in and then show up and make this impact in the world. So whether these are coaches from a spiritual coach perspective, providing them all the marketing and the technology that they need so that they can just show up and serve, right? serve their clients, or if people are readers or healers, right? Allowing them a platform with marketing and technologies that they could show up and just serve, right? Taking all the like difficult thing of running a business out of the way and just allowing them like, so it's that exponential again, if I'm able to go out and make that impact on people and to change people's lives and they transfer that. Imagine if I can, I can bring a few other folks around to go on and transform people's lives and the impact. Right. It's, it's to me, it goes back to that whole raising that vibration and, and really making the world a, a, a better place. And how do you stand out from other psychics? How do I stand out from other psychics? You know, I ask myself this one often. That's a, it's not an easy answer. Like I don't have 
you know, I, I, there's some things that I've thought about being able to do that would be pretty spectacular. But if I were to ask other folks, right, a lot of it is the energy, right? I'm, I, I don't shy away. I'm pretty forthright. I'm pretty confident when I read. There's like no bullshit with me. I, I will say the things that are really uncomfortable to say even. Uh, and I know there are other psychics that do that. There are definitely other psychics that do that. But to me, if I had to ask, they're, they're, folks are going to say the energy, right? The way that, that I'm able to connect to them, the way that even even not just from other psychics, but throughout my life, I remember when I was in my 20s and I had somebody tell me, they're like, when I'm with you, I feel like I'm the most important person in the world to you, right? I really, right. really And that is letting folks be the most important person in the world in that moment. Okay, so what's your what is your secret then? How do you make people sort of feel the most important in the world? Oh, my secret! You want me to give it all away here? <laughs> you know, God, if I really had to say the secret, it's listening. You know, it's and it's it's really simple. It's not just listening; it's actively listening. It's letting people know that you can hear them. Right. That that they're important enough, regardless of who they are, to be heard. Right. That's the, that's the secret. That, that That's it. You know, and it's crazy to say that. But by doing that and that's not just like in my business or in this life, like, I mean, that, that's like my life. Right. That's in corporate. What I do that. That's like with this business. That's with my friends. My I mean, don't get me wrong. The boyfriend might not get it all the time, but, you know. You live with someone, it can sometimes be a little tough. <laughs> and you also have marketing skills as well. I'm interested to know how do you kind of connect your marketing skills to your psychic business? Oh, that's a that's a great one. So a lot of that is so I, I do have somebody that I've hired to help me with marketing and I've I've even been talking to them about this, right? And it's allowing the intuition to guide some of those decisions, right? So for example, when we first connected, right, I asked, right, this is a great opportunity for me to get visibility, but is this the right, you know, in the, you know, is this the right connection? Right. And so I asked and, and I, and I see, and I, and I use those types of things. Is it the right time for me to post something like this? Or, you know, I'll even have inspiration hit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I need to talk, I need to share this particular message right now. Like I may have a download come through that says like, I, I've got to tell people this and see, and then, and then it'll be resonated. So really from like social media is a phenomenal place to allow inspiration to hit like quickly. Right. But any, anything, as far as like, if I'm literally creating a strategic plan, what feels right, right. Where do I see um, you know, sometimes it could even be a matter of pulling out a pendulum and making a decision based on what I should do based upon yes, no uh, answers. Um, and it influences a lot of the business decisions that I do. And I am as a recovering alcoholic. I'm also a recovering like workaholic and control like person. So it allows me to let go of a lot of that and just say, I don't have to have all the decisions I don't have to make all the decisions right now. I don't have to do all of the things. I just need to do what feels right intuitively. And that'll lead me down the right path. Very interesting because I find most psychics are a lot more sole proprietorship. You know, they just kind of do everything on their own. But with you, it seems like you have a team. How does your team kind of work and why do you have a team? I think that's very unique among psychic entrepreneurs. Yeah. So this why do I have a team? Because I know for a fact that successful businesses require many intelligent minds to grow and to succeed. Right. And so I, I don't want, like, I'm not, I want to grow. I want to grow the business and I'm not going to be able to do it alone. I still work a corporate job right now. Um, so I do most of this on the, you know, on my off hours. And so my days off. Right. And so I, I couldn't do what I want to do. I couldn't grow as much I want to, as I want to grow. I couldn't help or have the impact on, on as many people as I would want to. If I tried to do all this by myself, I would drive myself nuts. I'd burn myself out. That's not the life I want to live. How did you develop that sort of self-care? Because we talked about, you know, your past with alcohol, but what about your workaholic issues? Now? How did you overcome those as well? 
I, st- I still struggle with it on a daily basis. I really do. It's really easy, really easy to avoid being by keeping busy, right? It's really easy to do that. Um, and so a lot of that is just being very conscious, right? And witches refer to reflective work or deep like work as being shadow work, right? Looking at the dark parts of ourselves and seeing and understanding why we do these things or why we desire these things or, or, or that. And so from a workaholic perspective, you know, my father reflected a lot of that. And so as I stepped into recovery, I mean, really, it was actually before I even got the recovery, I walked out of a toxic, I, I got divorced and walked out of a toxic work relation, work uh, environment. And that work environment that I walked out of was, um, I believe, part of the detriment that I was struggling in my marriage, right? Because I was working 60, 65 hours a week and not enjoying it, right? And so just you go through these points in life and you start to ask yourself, like, why am I doing these things? What really is important, right? And so my father, seeing him on his deathbed, knowing that we were literally facing decisions of him going to hospice to comfortably pass away or him, him choosing to do this like crazy invasive, potentially life-saving surgery. I took a two and a half month leave of absence from that job. And when you're away from some type of like an environment like that for two and a half, almost three months, you start to like feel you and see that toxic nature that what that workaholic, you start to see what's important you start to really like reflect on stuff. And that was what it was. You know, my father worked, you know, retired after 30 years from the city of Detroit and, you know, worked a lot, worked Monday through Saturday. And, you know, when, by the time he retired, I think he had like six months of vacation he could cash in because he never took it, you know? And it's just like, you look at that and you reflect on that. What's really important in life and the experiences are what is important. The memories you can create with the people that you love. That's what's important. Not filling in a showing up to a meeting, being there on a phone call. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a very good example. And I think this kind of goes into the next part, the shadow. How did you sort of use shadow work to improve your own life? Yeah. So I've been doing shadow work probably, I'd say my late teens. And uh, I'm having this really embarrassing, shameful story pop up. So I, I will share it. But I would say the first time was I left the house and it's the only time in my life that I actually had suicidal uh, ideation, but I'd left the house with the intention of taking my life. And I ended up in a park and I sat there and instead of taking action and doing something that I would have regretted, I asked myself like why I was even in that situation. Right. And I started to like explore like what were these feelings and what was going on? And that really triggered this fascination with, you know, at the, I think I was, I was probably at the age of 18 at that point and started picking up more spiritual based books and exploring more things around like psychology and why people behave the way that they do and think the way that they do. Um, sociology, why do people respond the way that they do in group settings? Why did I have some people be nice to me one-on-one, but then when they were around their friends turn into complete jerks, you know? And so that was a lot of what it was. I've, I've shared with folks, uh, if you ever journaled, right, you're doing a, a piece of shadow work there. You're exploring sharing things and putting things to paper or, you know, even digitally of like why you're thinking and feeling the way that you are. And just to take a step back and read that a day, two, three days later can share different perspective that you never would have seen before. Right. Because when we're in an emotional charge and response and we're like, you know, I used to journal on a site called live journal. I'd be like, I mean, crazy stuff that I would say it when I was younger. And then you step back and you read it and you're like, all I had to do was let that emotion ride. And I see that now. Why do you think most people have the incentive to not explore their darker side? Because that's how you're kind of explaining shadow work. You're basically saying shadow work is learning about that sort of dark side. 
that you try and hide away. Mm. So I do a lot of work around the chakras, a lot Ah. of work around the chakras. And so if I have to really, that's, that's coming to mind right now. So if I were to say that, right, there are fears, right. That root, they don't have a, they don't have a confident enough or secure enough, right. Like root, like a base, a foundation to feel safe to do any of that. Right. They're completely in survival mode. That's how they act and how they operate. Right. And so if you don't have a strong, safe foundation, you know, it's going to be hard for you to explore uncomfortable, difficult, dark things about yourself. Right. Um, Some people will turn to therapists to do that. Right. Which is wonderful and beautiful. Right. And then the the other thing, too, is is some people just don't uh, you know, we we end up in the, the solar plexus. They don't they don't know enough around how how like all of that external input can change our mental space. So they, they just, it's hard for them to even recognize that they have a dark, you know, like things that creep in their shadows, right? They're just not consciously aware enough or maybe don't even have the desire to make a change in their life uh, because of like generational patterns. Well, this is how my dad did it or my mom did it or my grandma or my grandpa, right? So they just don't end up with a desire to do anything different, right? Why do you think, so why did you develop that desire to do something different? Why did I develop that desire? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know that that's a a clean cut answer. I have been an inquisitive individual for my entire life. There, There are stories of me being like three years old and like talking clear as day, like perfectly articulate and being like, but why? But why? Right? And so I... The universe has so many unanswered questions, and the only way that you ever find them out is by asking why, right? So why did I have this or go down these paths? Pure, pure curiosity. I have, I, I, well, I have a friend of mine that would probably tell you it's because my, uh, in numerology, my like year or whatever it is, is a five. And so I love change change is like a big deal for me. Like, so why and evolution and evolving and growing and changing is just part of like my spiritual DNA. I want to evolve. And how does one kind of learn more about their own spiritual DNA? I mean, it starts with asking why, right? Why do you believe the things that you do? Right. I think is a, is a perfect example, right? You said yourself, you, you were born and raised Catholic Right. So I'm assuming at some point you may have asked, like, why, why are you still, you know, I believe when I looked up, you uh, are still Christian. So there's probably a like, why? Right. And so it all starts with why to explore. Like, why do I believe this? Why am I, you know, why am I going to church? Why am I, why, why, why do I believe in in God and G and and asking yourself those questions and, and just allowing, you know, yourself to explore that. And, and, you know, these are like, you just, I mean, I love it because it, it, it sounds, it's the simplest and most complicated thing when it comes to spirituality. You just have to choose to believe in something, even if that something is nothing. Just choose to believe something, even if it's nothing, right? So if you want to be, you know, an atheist, okay, cool, right? Got it. You want to be agnostic, okay, cool, right? So like, just choose something and explore that and, and make sure that you're asking the why. I think, uh, you know, that... It's a it's a beautiful question to explore with yourself. It really is. It really is. And let's kind of get into this. So how do you kind of help the modern witchcraft community? Is there a certain goal that you have that may be separate from most of the other witches? Because you said you weren't a part of a specific group. Is there a certain reason for that? There's no certain reason. There, there really isn't. Uh, I would say, how do I help? A lot of it is, you know, leading by example, right? And so, you know, I do have a Facebook group that is for, a, you know, it's a witch's community. It's not big or anything of that nature, but people come in there. Um, I do, I haven't in a couple of months because I've been super consumed with a couple other things, but I was almost for a year and a half doing every Sunday, we would do like noon on Sundays, just a a topic. I had a wheel, I'd spin a topic and we talk about a magical topic every week and we would just explore it. And like the, but the biggest thing is like, 
witchcraft, magic, and practicing, though there are some foundational elements, it's really up to you to choose and decide, right? That it's really a personal experience. Now, if you choose to move into a coven, sure, great, wonderful, right? You've got other people to guide and kind of set that down. But the thing that I try to encourage people is like, you don't have to. There is nothing that you have to do. You just, once again, have to choose to believe in something and to take action on that, right? And so helping, helping, you know, they refer to, um, in a lot of the communities, they'll refer to themselves as baby witches. And, you know, the word is a neophyte, right? Somebody that is learning a new skill, right? So they're neophytes. And so, you know, they ask like, well, can I do this or can I do that? And it's like, do you want to do that? And if you do, okay, right? It's up to you to decide. It's up to you to determine, right? There's no rule book. And what's one common misconception a lot of people have about witchcraft? You know, interestingly enough, I think one of the most common is, you know, is going to be that it's dark, right? You know, it's associated with Satanism or, you know, black magic or things of that. Uh, but I I know a, quite a handful quite a handful of Christian witches. My grandmother, though she may never have considered herself, you know, God, God bless her. She was, she was a Christian witch, devout Catholic, right? She was a medium. She talked to angels. She absolutely was a witch. I know a a Catholic priest that practices witchcraft, right? I sure as heck do. Yep. Sure as heck do. And, and so it's not, you know, it was not religious focused. It's not, you know, it's not solely pagan. It is purely the act leveraging energy to bring about change that you desire in whatever way, shape or form. It could be healing. Walking into a church, right? In the Catholic church, you walk in and you light a candle and pray for someone. That's a magical well, yeah, yeah. act. Yeah. That's a magical yeah. act. It is. Or, um, you know, with, with the Eucharist, you know, when you yep. turn the body, the flesh and the wine. Oh, mass, yeah, mass yeah. is a is a 60 minute ritual. And on, what is it? Christmas, a three hour ritual. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me more about this Catholic priest? That's quite interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. Met him through one of the witches groups and he is, he's phenomenal. He's younger. I, I, if I, I I can try to connect at some point, he's like, he's younger. He, but he's like, so about like diversity, inclusion, love, right? Love of like just people and he loves, you know, he talks about Jesus and God and all that kind of great stuff. I mean, I have been fascinated, fascinated. There's been a couple of people that I have, you know, the, where they've been in like some of the witch groups that I've been in have been really confused. Like I'm Christian, but I want like, what does this mean? You know, my, and I, I will like, I'll, he's told me, he's like, send them my way. Right. I mean, Jesus walked on water, turned water into wine right? Did all sorts of miracles. If, if that wasn't, you know, um, miracles are, are like a, a divinely blessed, you know, form of magic. Some very good stuff. You know. Later on, I want you to give me the name of that priest, but to just yeah. continue on with this. So what are certain misconceptions or barriers you face with clients? And what are some, what is the ideal client and what is the client that you wouldn't want to have or work with? Ah. <sighs> the client that I don't want to have, and this is, um, and I've talked with other psychics or even, you know, psychic mediums before. And and it's somebody that, you know, we we say that it's for entertainment purposes, but it's for somebody that really isn't there for the like spiritual work is just there to like prove you wrong. Right. So every now and again, when people sit down, you can tell, right. That they stonewall you. They don't want you to, cross into their energy. They don't want to, you know, they're straight faced. They're just kind of, and that's just, okay, great. I can read those people. But I always tell people that part of my gift with my clairvoyance is they, I get pictures painted, right? My literally in my mind's eye. And so I will try to interpret these pictures, but their validation, their communication, their feedback to me provides more clarity and allows the pictures to change and evolve and to provide better messages. So the unideal client is somebody that's like, 
nope, I'm just here to, to prove what, that they know what they're talking about. And the ideal client is somebody that is really there to sit with me in that moment and work with me together to ensure that the messages are the ones that they need to receive as well as the ones that they want to receive. And how do you, how does one sort of know that they're speaking with a good psych? Does it have something to do with intuition? Well, I think a lot of people tell you, no, it doesn't, right? There are some things in in any of the communities, like are you speaking with a good psychic, right? Somebody that presents themselves as confident but not cocky, right? Somebody that's willing to admit that they're wrong. Like if you provide validation and feedback and they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, okay, let me sit with this for a second. Let me see why. Let me talk to like, I work with my spirit guys. Let me talk to them some and see like, what am I not getting, right? Um, that's a good psychic. A psychic that's like, you know, dismisses you, dismisses your feedback, doesn't care to hear that you're, they are wrong. I know I had a friend tell me they had a horrible experience with someone that just did not want to receive that feedback at all. Right. Um, and sometimes all it takes is like two more minutes of a conversation to explore that. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Saturday night, I had a seance and I, I, I had something come through and I, I was describing and I could smell and I'm like, it smells like leather. You know, like I keep seeing like making something out of something else. I was like, I can't, I can't describe exactly what I'm seeing. Well, as we continued that conversation, lo and behold, they, you know, we keep going. They tell me about a box that they kept all their grandmother's old like craft supplies in. And there was leather in that box. So every time they opened the box, it smelled like leather. Okay, let's keep going down that path. Lo and behold, this person that was sitting on the table used to make these like dream catchers out of like old records and leather. And some of the leather that they would use was from the moccasins of their grandmother. And I was like, that's why we're seeing this because she wanted her grandmother to come. So that we never, if she would have dismissed me up front and not been willing to have that conversation, we never would have gotten to uncover that validation that grandma had seen her make these things and thought that they were wonderful and beautiful. Right. And how does this, how do you sort of develop your client base? Do people just start talking about you or do you tell the stories and actively bring them in? How does that work? I think it's a bit of both. So Facebook was a big deal first. I would go live on my page and just offer free reading. So people would come across, um, end up like on my page, see, be interested. Uh, we started to get a lot of horrific spammers, including people like direct messaging, you know, folks that were like, even my my family will, will watch me. Right. And so like direct met my aunt, I remember at one point was like, I don't know why this person. And, and so I had to go into a group. So I've been growing that group. So that's one of the ways that they can see word of mouth is a really huge deal. So when I've actually had a really successful reading with someone, they love to share that message. So I've had multiple people show up on my doorstep, like schedule reading. I have no clue who they are, like never seen their name before. And when I sit down with them, they're like, oh, so-and-so told me. I'm like, awesome. I owe them a thank you. <laughs> right. So that's a big deal. And then here locally, I've started to do some events now that we're kind of on that little bit on the other side of the um, pandemic um, and more events have been. And that's been really good uh, to get me out there and get visibility and things like that. And what sort of is the future of your business? Are there any books you're planning on writing? Any new coaching sessions? Do you have a website that you're bringing in? Yeah. Or? So I do have a website. It is sunshinereadings.com. Um, so all the reading services are on there. I told you I do work with the chakras and the chakras and the work that I, I started with them really came a deep self study. That was like my major, like major shadow work after recovery was, was about a five month focus on the chakras um, and bringing myself through. I think, so I've, I've have an entire program created by the, uh, around the chakras and divination. So it takes the energy of the chakras, the magic of divination and combines them to take a look into folks shadows in order to bring change about into their life. That is, is in beta right now and will launch fully uh, this coming winter, I guess, winter. Yes. January is still winter, uh, but I do have a book in the works. So I'm, I'm writing a recovery book for witches. What's that book going to be about mainly? So I'm a huge fan of AA as it relates to the, the, the 12 steps and how, you know, they've created this foundation 
or framework around recovery, right? They really have, and it's, it's powerful, it works. It's been translated to multiple other areas around you know, addiction and things that people are trying to recover from. The challenge that a lot of folks, like witches or, th- or folks that even, thanks, Holly. <laughs> the other, the, a lot of folks that are into like witchcraft, pagan, or recognize that they, they don't always feel comfortable st- sitting at an AA table. They don't always feel comfortable with the way that the steps are reflected or some of the work. And so I'm, I've, in essence, taken the 12 steps and rewritten them from a witch's point of view and start to incorporate magic rituals, divination, things of that nature into the 12 steps to allow witches another opportunity to recover and even do so through the AA program, but know that they've got kind of like a companion that they can use along with the uh, traditional AA steps. And who do you think is, who do you think is kind of the next type of group you want to get into as you slowly grow your business? Who is the next audience? So the next audience is going to be right. So we've got the chakra related work and that's really for people that are looking for like big transformations in their life, right? big transformations in their life. But the other side of that coin uh, next year, I'll be focused on uh, strengthening up the reading and the, the reader and the healer platform. So if people that are psychics, readers, you know, Kashuk records, healers, maybe they do Reiki healing, anything of that nature, I'll be strengthening the platform to be able to bring them on and to grow their business uh, through the sunshine readings platform. So that's going to be the focus. So it'll be actually internally to grow that platform and allow them to service more individuals throughout the, the world. And when it comes to opening chakras, what have chakra points done for you exactly in your life? God. And what blockages did you have specifically? So my my belief with the chakras is you need regular work with them, right? So, mm. you know, if I find myself in an uncomfortable situation with somebody that's maybe aggressive and not able to talk, you know, I may find my throat chakra get blocked because I, you know, I'm not speaking up for myself enough. Right. So it's constantly having to work on those things. My morning ritual includes opening up, clearing, and aligning all of my chakras. Uh, it also includes grounding myself, letting go of all shame and guilt. Right. I mean, I go through each and every one of the chakras every single morning to ensure that I'm bringing balance and alignment back to them. As far as the ones for me, the really, the biggest, the two biggest ones, which I really believe most people, right? If, if, if you are, if, if your root is okay, meaning you have a safe home life and you feel comfortable at home, right? I'll, I'll, I'll give that, you know, like you, you feel safe that, that, you know, and you don't, your basic needs are met. The next two chakras to me, which I still is going to be your sacral, which I identify as creating boundaries in, in close relationships. Right. And what happens there is when we don't have good boundaries, we often are inflicted with guilt and shame. Right. And and guilt and shame can spiral us into like horrific. Right. I can't tell you how many times I drowned. I drowned guilt or shame in a bottle. Right. And then the next is the solar plexus. Right. And that's where our ego sits. And that's where all the stories, the thing. And it's crazy. The stories we create for ourselves Little stories can like, we can literally, I had this story that I created that I'm a really good writer, but it's difficult for me. I don't know where it came from, but in business, that's a horrible story for me to have, right? So I had to rewrite that story, but you can also have stories that other people kind of transpose on you and then you have to be able to recognize those. And so throughout life within that solar plexus and that ego, that ego, you're, you're having to recognize the stories that are kind of like showing up for you and figuring out how to re do they serve you? And if they do great, right? Like, okay, awesome. I'm a, I'm a terrific public speaker. That one serves me well. Right. But I'm a good writer and, but writing's difficult for me. That didn't serve me at all. Right. And so I had to rewrite that one. So to me, it's a constant work. It's constant work. And are there any new types of people you're going to learn from or work with or any two types of spiritual skills you may start to dive into? So over the course of the past year, I have been diving really heavily into alchemical work. So a controversial character, Aleister Crowley, but uh, when you start unwield like unraveling that background and realizing how he was involved with Carl Jung, the psychologist or like, so there's a lot of stuff around that, which is like this really 
deeper look. Like I see I've, I've worked on some of my shadow, but I'm looking to do even deeper work. And so a lot of that alchemical work will happen. And there's a, a wonderful woman by the name of Dr. Carolyn Elliott that I have been following and working with. And there's, I'm really excited. There's a, a pretty phenomenal program that she's introducing next year that I was accepted into. And uh, it's, it's going to be spooky as hell because they literally intend to like help you break your, like get yourself really uncomfortable and, and work through some like deep things. And uh, I'm kind of nervous at what's going to come up on that. I really am. I really am. How'd you find her? You know, I call them like intuition trails. You just follow like people, things into, you know, they introduce things to you and you just kind of like keep going. I have a business coach that I've been working with this past year that was in one of her other programs. She's uh, Dr. Carolyn Elliott wrote a a phenomenal shadow work book called uh, Existential Kink. And so I read that and then just started like following and was really fascinated with her approach and the way she spoke and the way she showed, like she showed up herself and so that was it, just word of mouth. And are there any final takeaways you got from all of this, from your experiences? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a like final takeaways. You know, there's a two big ones that have resonated for me this year I'll, that I'll share. And one of them is, you know, uh, screw fear, right? Like fear itself is an indication that you have an opportunity to grow, right? So when you face fear. When you look at fear, when you feel, you feel an experience, when your body has that like anxiety response or that heart racing, that's a sign that you're about to go through something really fascinating and incredible. And a lot of times it's going to be phenomenal growth, right? It's going to be phenomenal growth, things that you've overcome. The second one outside of that, of like face fear, step into fear is like, screw the should. There is no such thing as should, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I could do, what I would do. Like that doesn't help anything. It's about what you're doing. It's about being in the moment. It's about being right here, right now. And those two, those two things have been, have played a huge role in my life over the course of the last, I mean, for a while, but this past year have been two really huge themes. Very good. And if you could go back in time to speak to your younger self, what would you tell her exactly? Buckle up. It's one hell of a ride. Very good. And this was a great interview. Are there any final words you would like to tell the audience? Uh, final words. It, come find me. You can check out sunshinereadings.com. You can find me on Facebook. I love Facebook, uh, which makes me feel like really old. I'm also on Instagram. So uh, Sunshine Readings Online is Facebook. Sunshine underscore readings on Instagram. Come say hi. Uh, you know, I love people, man. So I'm here, and I, w- I would love to meet any of you that, that watch this. That's it. Again, I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. All right. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 